Well, once upon a time, Breer Fox and Breer Bear schemed to capture Breer Rabbit and have him for dinner. But Breer Rabbit was too fast, and so they made a tar baby and set it beside the road to trick Breer Rabbit. Sure enough, he came hopping along his way and said hello to Breer, to the tar baby, but there was no response. So he backed up and said, howdy. And again, there was no response. Well, Breer Rabbit felt insulted by that. And the more he greeted, the more he was ignored. And finally, he became so angry that he hauled off and punched a tar baby right in the face. Of course, his hand got stuck in the tar, which made him even more angry. So he punched the tar baby with his left hand, and that got stuck. Then he kicked Tar Baby with his foot, and that got stuck. And then with his left foot, and that got stuck. Well, the more he wrestled to free himself, the more he tangled, entangled he became, until finally he was entangled totally and engulfed completely in the tar. It was then that Breer Fox and Breer Bear stepped out and invited Breer Rabbit to dinner. Now I can hear what you're saying. What in the world does this have to do with Romans chapter 3? Well, let's read it together. Join me in reading Romans 3.9, would you? What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under Sin. Now, would you notice the word sin there is not plural sins. It is singular sin. In this verse, sin is not viewed so much in its actions as it is as a power. The New Living Translation is very, very helpful here. Notice what this translates it. We have already shown that all people whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. And now we can see the connection with the story about Breer Rabbit. Because just as Breer Rabbit was thoroughly under the power and control of sin and could not free or tar and could not free himself, so we are born thoroughly under the power and control of sin and we cannot free ourselves. The Bible calls this the doctrine of total depravity. And I want you to hear me this morning. Unless we understand that sin is spiritually to us, as tar was to Brer Rabbit, we will never see our hopeless condition. We will never see how helpless we are. And we will never flee to Jesus Christ as the remedy. Let me say that again. Unless we understand that spiritually sin is to us as tar was to Breer Rabbit, we'll never see our hopeless condition. We'll never see how helpless we are. We'll never flee to Christ for His mercy alone. Now this morning, as we continue our studies in the book of Romans, we are being invited back into God's courtroom. We have been there for several chapters, have we not? 
And this morning, as we come back into God's courtroom, what we see is that God gives to us a charge. Then He gives us proof of that charge. And then He draws a verdict. And I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 3 as we look at verses 9 through 20. And let me take a moment to lead us in prayer. Lord God, unless we understand the bad news, the good news will never really be good. Unless we see our fallen, hopeless, helpless condition we'll never see that Christ is the only remedy. And I pray today that you will help us to see that in a fresh way, that we might seek Christ and seek Him alone. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want you to notice that the charge, which we've already read in verse 9, is simply this, everyone is born under the total domination of sin. If you are in the sound of my voice this morning, that includes you. You and I have been born under the total domination of sin. Now, when the Bible says in verse 9 that all people everywhere, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, to be under something means to be entirely under its control. When a person is drunk, we say they are under the influence of alcohol, don't we? When a person is deathly sick, we say that they are under the influence of that particular disease. And so under sin here means that we are so influenced by sin from our birth that it dominates our being. All of us sin to such a degree that it is clear that an evil power has hold on us, has grip on us, and that evil power the Bible calls sin. Now, I want to hasten to add that this does not mean that we are as bad as we could be. We care for our families, we pay our bills, we are often very helpful to our neighbors, but the Bible teaches this. None of us do good consistently all the time, nor do we do good for the right reasons. In fact, the good that we do, that seems so good to us and others, is always and ever tainted by our own sin. Therefore, nothing that we ever do is pleasing to God, is acceptable to Him, or wins any favor from Him. Charles Ryrie, who is the author of the Ryrie Study Bible, said, Depravity means man fails the test of pleasing God. And someone else has defined it this way. Depravity means nothing spiritually good ever comes out of us. Now, did you know that even uh, people who do not claim to be Christians or even necessarily believe in God have come to the same conclusion? The brilliant physicist uh, Albert Einstein, who was a genius, he was at very best an agnostic and maybe an atheist. And this is what he said one time in a speech on the nature of man. Listen to his words. He said, the true problem lies in the hearts and thoughts of men. What terrifies us is not the explosive force of the atomic bomb, but the power of the wickedness of the human heart. 
Albert Einstein, the agnostic, said that. That's your heart. That's my heart. Now, this is very, very hard to accept, isn't it? It's very, very hard to accept. We're intelligent people. We are educated people. We do seemingly very good things, and so we read this and we say, what do you mean I am totally depraved in the sight of God? What do you mean by that? It can't be. A couple of years ago, we were down on Fisher Street, and we were witnessing to an NMU student. And we tried to help him see his own sinfulness by describing our own sinfulness And he just could not see it. You nice people coming to talk to me about God? What do you mean you're really bad sinners? It just doesn't add up. You know, at one point he said to me, he said to me, you seem like a really good person. And I thought to myself, I'm sure glad my wife is not here at this point. But you know, that student didn't want to hear that anymore. In fact, it was right then that he ended the conversation. He just didn't want to go any further. And maybe that's you here today. You would say, Pastor, I'm pretty good. What do you mean everyone is born under the total domination of sin. Because this is so important, what the Apostle Paul does in verses 10 to 18 is he gives us the proof. And in verses 10 to 18, we have six quotations from the Psalms in Isaiah that prove we are spiritually depraved. Now, I want you to know, this was a common method of the rabbis. This was called a string of pearls. And so as you look at the screen here and the summary from verses 10 to 18, this is Paul's string of pearls on total depravity. And this is brilliant because what he does is he takes the Jews' own scriptures You see, they would have disagreed with Paul. They would have said, Paul, we are not this bad. And so what he does is he says, okay, let me take your own Bible and let me prove it to you. Here's the mirror. Look at it. But then, friends, he turns the mirror on us, doesn't he? And he says what is true of the Jews is true of us. Let's look at ourselves this morning as we really are, as the Bible says, we are born from birth. And let's answer this question, what is total depravity, so that all of us are on a dead-end road apart from what Christ can do in our life? And I want you to notice what the Bible tells us. Number one, it is universal... It is in every one of us. Look at verses 10, 11, and 12, and I want you to count with me. How many times does Paul say, not one, not even one? You count them. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. 
All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is a quotation from the Psalms. How many times does no one or not even one occur? Six times. The word all occurs two times. Now you know that repetition is the father of learning. And so this repetition six times and then two times all hammers home the point that all are guilty. I want you to think in this way today. Think in this way. Think of the very best person you can possibly conceive of or that you know. Now think of the worst person that you know. The best person on one end, the worst person on the other end, both are under sin. Both are under sin. Chuck Colson, who founded Prison Fellowship, and every year we do Angel Tree in the prison ministry with Prison Fellowship, Chuck Colson had this to say, if you think about it, We are all really more like Adolf Hitler than we are like Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this morning, who can deny that? Who can deny that? Who can say, in my natural self, I am more like Jesus than I am Adolf Hitler? Who could could say that? So that if we got on a scale this morning, and on the one end is Hitler... And on the other end of the scale is Jesus. Who can say, in our natural self, we would not be closer to this end than to that end? You see, all are under the dominion of sin. It is in every one of us. Notice secondly, total depravity teaches us that it is thorough. It is in every part of us. Every part of us. As I read down through verses uh, 13 to 17, I want you to notice that there is a deliberate listing of body parts. You can pick them out as we go. Throats, tongues, lips, mouths, feet, and eyes. A deliberate listing of all the body parts that we have telling us that sin is thorough. Let me read it for you, and you pick out these body parts. Look at verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You see what we're being taught? Sin affects every part of the human constitution. Every faculty of ours, every function, including our mind, our emotions, our sexuality, our conscience, and our will, all are thoroughly infected and affected by sin. When I was a boy, I grew up with a mother who was very strict about the language in our home. If you were to say to me, Pastor Brian, how strict was your mother? Well, I'll tell you how strict she was. We were not allowed to say even darn it. 
because darn it was too close to another phrase that was cursing. And so if we ever said darn it, and my mother was around, she would come and reprimand us. We were not even allowed to say darn it. But here's what I found happening. As I grew into manhood, I found myself becoming so upset and so angry at times that curse words would form in my mind. And they would be right on the tip of my tongue. And I found myself being so upset and so angry sometimes at certain individuals that even though I was all by myself, I was cursing at them in my mind, even though had they not been present, they would have heard no words coming from my mouth. And I want you to know I was shocked. When that happens, it's frightening. The way I was raised to still have the desire for cursing and bitterness, just as this passage says, was shocking to me. And then I think of the times that I've not just thought abusive, unkind, mean, or thoughtless words. I've actually said them. And I know this is true. One of the most godly men in our country passed away in the last few years. His name was Haddon Robinson. Haddon Robinson was a great preacher. He taught multitudes of pastors to preach. And he was a godly, godly man. When his father became older, he came under the condition of dementia and he had to live with the Robinsons for a period of time before he went into a nursing home. One day in the heat of the summer in Texas, the older man, Mr. Robinson, was going in and out of the patio door, in and out of the house, in and out of the house. And Dr. Robinson said his father went in and out of the house about 20 to 30 times in the space of 10 to 15 minutes. And he said to his father, Dad, you have to either stay in or go out because you're letting the air conditioning out. His father looked at him and kept up the same pattern. Finally, Dr. Robinson said he went to his father, grabbed him by the shoulders, and said to him very pointedly, Dad, you've got to stay either in or out. His father looked at him and went out again. Dr. Robinson said he spanked his father. His father did it again. And furious, he spanked him again. Later, when he came to himself, he realized what he had just done. Here was the man who gave him life, raised him to be what he was, And in anger, he had struck him. And not just once, but twice. 
And here's what Dr. Robinson said. What is the power of sin that resides within each and every one of us? That's my heart. That's your heart. Even as a Christian, that is the depth of sin in all of us. Now look at the third answer that Paul gives to us in this string of pearls. Number one. Number three. Depravity is ungodliness. In every reaction to God by us. Are you seeing that? Depravity is ungodliness in every reaction to God by us. Did you notice how this string of pearls ends in verse 18? It ends the same way it began. Six times in verses 10, 11, and 12, no one, not even one, and now notice how it ends in verse 18, there is no fear. Listen very carefully here. The cause of sin is always the same. It is always a deep-seated hostility toward God, a rejection of God, and a turning from Him. Always understand this. Sin is never simply psychological. Sin is never simply sociological. Sin is always and ever theological. It is a deep-seated hostility toward God, a rejection of God, and a turning from Him. Isaiah 53.6 says it so well. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His what? His own way. Look at what verse 11 says. No one understands. Sin has blinded us. No one seeks God. Sin has misdirected us. Verse 12. We have become worthless. Sin has corrupted us. It's very interesting. The word there for worthless was a word that was used of spoiled milk. Now you know what happens with spoiled milk. Spoiled milk cannot achieve its purpose. It is useless. And if you drink spoiled milk, what happens almost immediately? Yeah, it's sour. You you drink a glass of spoiled milk and it is not long and you vomit that spoiled milk up. It's sour. And that's what the Bible says. We have become to God in our sin. We are like spoiled milk. We are useless. We are sour. We are unable to achieve the purpose for which He created us. When I was in seminary, we had a wonderful missions professor by the name of Walter Baker. Walter Baker had been uh, a wonderful missionary in Haiti for a number of years, and he was such an effective missionary that he was called to the seminary to teach us about missions. I'll never forget one day in a sermon in chapel, this is what Walter Baker, the great missionary, said, I don't know about you, I wasn't seeking God. I was running from Him as fast as I could. 
I don't know about you, said Dr. Baker. I wasn't seeking God. I was running from Him as fast as I could. How many could say any different here this morning? How many could say, I was seeking God instead of running from God? We know the truth. We weren't seeking God. We were running from Him. By the way, Jesus is the seeker, isn't He? Jesus is the seeker. And He came to seek and to save that which was lost and had no way in and of themselves of finding their way to Him. Now look at this proof. Look at this proof. Sin is in every one of us. It's in every part of us. And it's in every action to God by us. Now that then has to lead to a verdict. It has to lead to a verdict. And look at verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Look at the two verdicts. You're guilty. We have nothing more to say. And we are helpless. There is nothing that we can do. It's interesting when verse 19 says... This verdict leads to every mouth being stopped. The words symbolize a defendant in a court of action who is given the opportunity to speak, but the evidence is so overwhelming against the defendant that they stand there speechless, unable to mount any defense whatsoever, and there is nothing to wait for but the pronouncement of sentence and the execution of the judgment. That's what Paul says the verdict is. And then the Jews would have been totally shocked at verse 20, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. The law cannot justify us. All it can do is condemn us. We're not only guilty, we're helpless to do anything about it. As you know, they make statues of very famous people. And to have a statue made out of you means that you were very significant and very famous. In the city of St. Petersburg in Russia, there is a statue to a Russian author by the name of Ivan Turnyev. Here's the statue that they made of this famous Russian author. And then I want you to notice what he said. I do not know what the heart of a bad man is like, but I do know what the heart of a good man is like. And it is terrible. Since we can only know our own heart, Who was this Russian author likely talking about? 
himself. Do you not think? And he was an agnostic. He didn't acknowledge any personal God. But he knew, didn't he? He knew. He had a problem he could not solve. And it went so deep that in spite of his outward goodness, he knew, my heart is terrible. And the Bible says, only Jesus can solve the problem of a terrible heart. Let's bow ourselves before Him this morning and thank Him for that. Have you been able to see yourself as you truly are today? I hope so. Two years ago on Fisher Street, this nice college student who opened the door to us, we tried to show him this picture. We used ourselves as illustrations. But he could not see it. And today, unless you see yourself this way, you'll never come to the foot of the cross. You'll never beg Christ for His mercy. You'll never humble yourself that He might lift you up. And today, in this quiet moment, just before we sing a song of invitation, would you come to Jesus? Come confessing your need. Come confessing your depravity. Come confessing your sin. Tell Him you believe who He is. You believe what He did for you when He died on the cross? You confess He rose again that you might have life? Tell Him that you're repenting of going your own way? Of living unto yourself? And cast yourself upon His mercy. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to give you eternal life. And believing that He will respond to your faith, say, now, Lord Jesus, as a child of God, I'm going to live for You. I'm going to follow you. God helping me. Thank you for saving me.
And dear Christians today, we'll not be liberated from our own depravity until the day Jesus calls us home. And we will wrestle with our own sin nature as we live this life. And would you just in the words of Jesus say, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. Apart from you, even my good works are unacceptable to you. Unless Christ has forgiven me by His blood and covered me by His righteousness, even as your son or daughter, nothing I could offer would ever satisfy you. Thank you that it's in Christ and Christ alone that you are pleased with me. May I take all my refuge in Him alone. Father, today, hear our prayers. Hear some who need You. Open the eyes, Lord, of the blind. Break through those stony hearts. Unless You do it, Spirit of God, it will not happen. Take the things of Christ and show them unto us. And bring men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And help us, who have walked with Jesus for a long time, to know that only He is able to save us to the uttermost and to one day present us blameless and faultless and without spot before the throne of God. For without Him, it could never happen. Now we love you, Savior, today. Thank you so much. You have told us the truth. Thank you. You have not hidden it from us. Thank you. You have shown us ourselves in the mirror that we then might see Jesus and see Him only. In His name. Amen.